Welcome back to the United Pubcast. I think we should call it the Euro Pubcast. Let's get into theme. But Tom, today is a very memorable day before we go into what will be a historic international tournament, no doubt about it. Um, can we just talk about the cold, the coldest day in Australian history? Because I swear to you, mate, I cannot feel a thing. Well, Australian history, I think even the people listening in Man- Manchester would have to appreciate this cold because usually you get a bit of wind in, in winter and it's a little bit cool and you complain a little bit. This is a different type of cold. This is snow coming down off the mountain and yeah, going to the toilet was a bit of a challenge today at lunchtime. Oh, well, why is that? You don't, have to find your, you don't have to find your thing before you go to the toilet when it's this type of cold? I wouldn't have that problem, mate. But uh, yeah, I, I can appreciate those with uh, smaller than average size uh, dilly dobs um, do struggle in these sort of temperatures. But anyway, Tom, we're not here to talk about what's between your legs. We're here to talk about what is between now and the start of the new season, which is the Euros. So what are we going to talk about today? Look, everyone's done their Euro previews. Let's give you something a little bit different, ladies and gentlemen. Going to talk about who are the surprise packets. Who can dare upset what's known as the quote-unquote big sides of international, or in this case, European football. Um, Let's look at the United players. Who's participating? Who has the biggest point to prove? I think that will bring up an interesting debate. There could be an opportunity for some players to maybe state a case forward. Or maybe they're playing for the United Futures. We'll wait and see. Uh, England seem to be tipped as favourites. We'll go into whether that's right or not and whether we agree. Are they actually favourites for this tournament? And finally, who's going to win the whole damn thing? Tom, let's not waste any more time. Uh, The Euros, surprise packets. England are the favourites. We'll get into them later. You've got your usual big players there. You've got France. You've got Spain. Well, you could even debate our Spain big players considering who... Well, looking at their squad, it's not the most inspiring I've seen. Um, You've got Belgium. Anyway, the list goes on. Out of what's known as the quote-unquote big sides, does anyone have the ability to cause an upset here? Are we going to see a Greece or a, you could even argue to a smaller size, a Portugal-style upset? Well, I think it's hard. Like Usually this tournament, a tournament will always throw up a surprise. But football in the last two years has taught us that anything can happen, and especially in a tournament situation like this. Mm. I think we're looking at... I don't think it'll be a case of a Greece or let's throw somebody like a Denmark or a Russia. I, I don't see a team like that going on and winning it. But I can see there's so much tension around the big teams, whether that be England, Portugal, France. I just think the climate that we're in at the moment, I can see one of the big teams absolutely having an absolute nightmare of a tournament and almost losing all three games and bowing out in the group stage. And that is where I think we'll see the biggest shock rather than sort of a lesser-known team causing the upset. Yeah, that, that's a valid one. Um, you know, if I if I look at it, I have to agree. Like, there's no sort of... For a, for a smaller side, um, with all due respect to the others, to, to really cause an upset, you're looking for a really star player. Like, for example, Egypt, right? Um, if they were participating in this tournament and you have the likes of a Mo Salah, you could say, you know, given that that one player can be so lethal, maybe if they created a system that could give them a glimpse of a hope and then just say, you nip an early goal and you park the bus, maybe. The, the only one I can sort of look at is potentially Wales, um, I know Gareth Bale isn't probably not the player he once was, um, but there's enough good players in there where you could make, oh, you know, some sort of argument. 
I think Scotland have, have a little bit about them without being brilliant. I, I don't expect them to win the whole damn thing. I'm just trying to create a case for could any of them do any sort of dent, any sort of damage into this tournament. I'm going to say no, though. So, well, that was a fun debate. So we're basically writing everyone off besides the big boys. Let's talk about the United players, Tom. Um, so we've got Daniel James, Scott McTominay, Marcus Rashford, Bruno Fernandes, Harry Maguire, Dylan Levitt. Uh, we've got Pogba, De Gea and Victor Lindelof all participating in the Euros. Who has for you the biggest point to prove in this tournament? don't know who has a point to prove. Um, that's a hard one. I think a lot of the players have sort of different sort of goals and aspirations and sort of different expectations in terms of what they want to achieve, both personally and sort of their nations in general. But in terms of a point to prove, um, the poor Pogba was always, when he's on the world stage, um, the eyes will be on him. And mm. he's obviously a main man for France and France is one of the favourites. You've got to have the same argument probably for Bruno Fernandes. I know Ronaldo sort of, Shoulders a lot of the weight there for Portugal, but there's no doubt that Bruno Fernandes has stepped up. He obviously plays a little, little bit of a sort of subdued role for Portugal than he does with United, but all eyes will be on him. Then you look at the way the media sort of, the narrative around a lot of the countries, England will obviously dominate headlines, so you then have to look at Harry Maguire's fitness, and if he does get fit for the, the knockout stages, let's assume England do make the knockout stages, he's going to be in the media spotlight. And also, the point to prove... Whether he does have a point to prove, I'm not quite sure. But Marcus Rashford, again, um, all eyes will be on him. I've just said all eyes for all these United players. We are dominating this tournament in terms of the headlines, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a fair call. You know, Bruno Fernandes is an interesting one. Um, I, I personally don't buy into it, but there seems to be this narrative that he doesn't perform well in big games. Do, do you buy into that narrative? Or even if you don't, do you see why people potentially make that argument or do you think it's just a stick to beat him with at the end of the day it is a stick to beat him with you there's little you can always sort of twist stats and to sort of suit your argument however whether you turn up in a big game or not he's able to win big games and he always win, wins games for his team mm. and that i don't care if the player doesn't turn up if he's on the pitch and he scores a goal or gets in a match winning assist that's more important than turning up for me it's not about the 90 minutes of sort of quality football and high-level performance, it's about moments. And Bruno Fernandes and Cristiano Ronaldo can produce moments, and it's not just they can do, they've shown evidence that they do. So um, that is why you do have to look at Portugal as potentially one of the favourites. Oh, yeah, no, no doubt about it. And you, you know who I think could have a big tournament? I think Scott McTominay. Like, he's, he's a leader for Scotland. He, he really is. And we, we were talking about, um, in the last time we spoke, the, the evolution of Scott McTominay's game and what he could potentially be. Do you think that when you're playing in a side where you're seen as a leader, that there is an opportunity for him to perhaps try to, try things that he wouldn't normally try for, say, a Manchester United? Maybe he play, plays that forward pass or he takes on more of a playmaking responsibility. Do you think there's room for something like that? Or Dan James, Wales really don't... He, he's not got the pressure of Manchester United when he's playing for his country. Do you think there's an opportunity for maybe... He's interestingly made some comments, Dan James, hasn't he? To say, you know, next season he really wants to kick on and believes he's got much more level, higher levels in his game. Do you think this could be an opportunity for the Welshman to maybe do something? Well, you just mentioned Wales. Wales, whether it be a dark horse for the tournament, I'm not quite sure. But they'll definitely in and around it. And a team that, look, we'll get into the, how the group stage works, maybe in terms of third-place teams are, likely, are very likely to go through. 
And you, you look at that in the case, so Dan James potentially does have the platform to have a good tournament or a sort of a, a pivotal role in the tournament. Mm. But I go back to your first point in regards to Scott McTominay and his, whether it be leadership, I think he does have the, as I said, just with Dan James, almost the, the role he has with Scotland in terms of he's a Manchester United player, he's a big physical presence. He does have far more responsibility in the Scottish team because they do look at him and say, okay, he's one of Man United's most important players. Therefore, he's one of Scotland's most important players, if not their best player. Obviously, they're sort of blessed with left backs in terms of Robertson and Kieran Tierney. But my only concern with Scott McTominay, and I am looking to him as potentially my player I'm looking forward to most for you, from a United point of view. My only concern with that is I want to see him taking that responsibility going forward. And look, my dream would be to see him score a goal against England. However, from what I have seen from Scotland and McTominay in the Scottish setup, is he's very likely to maybe play at centre-back, whether they play in a three or a two, every time I've seen them play. And I was, uh, actually, I don't know how I got to watch Scottish qualifiers. <laughs> I've maybe watched two or three of their Scottish qualifiers for the Euros, and he was playing at the back. And that is a little bit of a... No, look, I, I like to see him play wherever because it's an international tournament for him. It's a great moment for him. Yeah, I would rather see him in midfield than at the back, but time will tell to, um, to see where he plays. Hey, I'm not going to bring it up now, but for my controversial statement of the podcast, I've always said I think Scott McTominay has the potential to be a freaking world-class centre-back. Just saying. You look at the size, the, the, the stature of the guy, his decent pace, ability on the ball. Just saying, just saying. Um, all right, Tom, let's continue to work through the podcast. Um, when, when we're talking about... You know, who could potentially be favourites um, for this tournament? England seem to be the name on everyone's lips. Now, I don't know why, to be honest with you. Um, if I look through that side, I see some gaping holes. Can you get your opinion? Do, do you see, what are your opinions of the English side? Where are their strengths? And if there are weaknesses, some might say there are none, where do you think they are? And are they favourites for you? You could make a case, I've made a case from probably 1998 or 2002 that England should be um, favourites for every tournament they enter. You look on paper, you can see a case of them winning. However, which I've always said on this podcast, football's not played on paper, it's on grass. And it's suddenly grass, which they always seem to have a problem with, the English team. You do look at their attacking um, options and look, it'll be a challenge on how Gareth Southgate fits them all in. But on paper, you look at that and you make a very strong case that they have the best attack in the tournament. Now, obviously, you can look at France with Mbappe, Portugal, Ronaldo and Fernandes, obviously. But in terms of the amount of quality England have in that attack in third, fantastic. And in a tournament, you don't have to be great. In terms of a, a season, you don't have to be consistently great. You have to be great for five, six games, which in five, six games, you can go and outscore a team. You don't have to be solid. It's almost that old adage where goals win games, but defence wins championships. You don't need to be too, too solid defensively here. You just need to go win a couple of games and goals win games. However, I think their defence will be the Achilles heel and a lot of that will be um, down to Harry Maguire's absence, I think. I can see a situation, I hope not because I hope the English players do well, but the amount of hype, the, the narrative surrounding England at the moment, I wouldn't be shocked if they have a horror tournament in terms of, you can see the selection, not selection, headaches, the almost the headaches Southgate's given himself over selecting 17 right-backs in the 26-man squad, you can see them having a real issue at right-back now. And um, I think that right-back is just part of the defence because you don't know if they're going to line up with a three at the back or if they're going to line up with a four at the back. Their best defender in Harry Maguire won't be fit. I think we're focused on all these sort of generational talents in Phil Foden and Jack Grealish and Marcus Rashford and the Mm. greatest striker in Harry Kane. 
I can see teams like Croatia scoring against them. I can see teams like Scotland scoring against them. And if suddenly the sort of chips are down and against England, I, I can almost see them crumbling. And for that, for that case, I can't make them favourites for the tournament. I'd like to see them do well. Um, although I have said I'd like to see Scott McTominay score against them and beat them 1-0. But I'd like for the, for the Man United players' sake them to do well. I just have a bad feeling for England this tournament. I just I, I don't think they've prepared well for it in terms of the way they've gone about selecting their squad. Mm, yeah, I think I have to agree with you. The defence for me is really weak. Like Harry Maguire's coming in undercooked. Um, we don't even know. He definitely won't be fit to start the tournament. And it's amazing that he was even being spoken about now in hindsight. How was he being spoken about for the Europa League final? Like he, he's nowhere near fit now. And he's not even training now. He's not even running. That's the thing. Like the fact that he was even being spoken about was hilarious. Um, so he, he's not fit. He's been taken with the hope that he can produce something. Um, as, you know, should they progress beyond the group stages? Yes, we expect them to. But crazier things have happened. Um, and, but you know what? He's their best defender. Outside of that, you've got John Stones. Um, and beyond those two players. I'm not impressed with what they have there at all. They've got Ben White, who, yes, is a good player, but a young player and unproven. Um, you've got... Has he even been... By the way, is he even going? He is going. Yeah, he's replaced um, Trent. Yes. Which of is course. a crazy decision because they've gone with four right backs. There's a huge outrage, and rightly so, over that. Yeah. Suddenly one of the right backs is injured. And then you think, okay, maybe then you can get in that extra midfielder, whether it be a Ward Prowse or a Jesse Lingard. Mm. And he's brought in another defender who's not going to play because the other central defenders who haven't been mentioned who are in the squad, you've got Tyrone Mings, you've got um, Connor Cody from Wolves. You've I don't Luke rate Shaw Tyrone can, Mings at all, mate. You've got Luke Shaw yeah. who can play in that left back, sort of left centre back if you're going to play five at the back. Mm. You've got Kyle Walker doing the same thing at right centre back. So to bring in another centre back who, quite frankly, whether you rate him or you don't rate him, the fact is he's not going to play. And I just think when you look at potentially them maybe being a little bit light in midfield, because mm. we've just had the same argument with Harry Maguire, you have to have the same, the same argument with Jordan Henderson. And they're going to be a little bit light there. So we've, I've just made a case for them being really weak at the back. You could almost look at that central midfield pairing and think, well, they're going to be a bit light there as well. Yeah, their midfield. like it, It's the same problem with United. I, I look at their attacking options and I think phenomenal players. But I, I, I'm just looking at that side and I'm like, who's going to give them the ball though? Like that, that's the thing. I, like who who do they even have? I'm I'm amazed Ward Prowse wasn't taken. Like his free kick ability alone, like is worth taking. And given that Trent's now gonna be out, like for me that that was a no brainer. I, I don't like you look at that team, who's a specialist free kick taker? Well do you think and throwing a sort of a wide link to United there, who would you say is gonna be their right back? Okay, Trent's out, then you got Reese James, Kyle Walker and Kieran Trippier, obviously being linked with United. Now, mm. he did score against Croatia in the semi-final of the World Cup from a free kick. Yeah. Do you think he's... I don't want to say he's going to be selected for his set-piece-taking ability, but do you see he's maybe the leading candidate to be at right-back if they do line up with a five at the back? Oh, he'd have to be. Um, it's a no-brainer for me. I think Kyle Walker's very um, agile in the respect that he, he can play in a three-man defence. We've seen it for Manchester City. Um, he's very good on the ball. Um, it's just it's interesting because while they'll line up in a three, um, like City do at times, they're gonna. You would think this England side will take a pragmatic approach. We're talking about all these wonderful attacking players. I imagine they'll be set up to counter attack, 
So that's the interesting thing. So it's really going to be about because they don't have the defense or the midfield that we're we're discussing. And you know what? You you want to talk about all those attacking options. You look at Portugal. You look at France. You look at Belgium, Italy. They've all got better midfields for me. Um, and when I'm talking about midfield, I'm talking about you know your pivot position. All for me got better midfields than England. So if they set up to counter attack, I think they can be deadly. The problem is if they have a side who's willing to invite them on, they're going to run into a similar problem that United do for me. But you know what? To be fair, Harry Kane's got the ability of a, a splitting pass. I think that's something that's not being spoken about. And when you've got Calvert-Lewitt in there as well, who, who's an aerial threat, something like Harry Kane's obviously great with his head, but he relies more on his movement. When you're talking about Calvert-Lewin, the ability to be an aerial threat, is it fair to say that England, more than any other side, have an ability to play multiple ways compared to, say, a France who, because they're so brilliant, they don't really need a plan B. Well, if you, if you look at the options England do have, it, and whether just the options or just the amount of quality they have in that final third, which we've discussed, they have the ability to go and win games. But then just on the other hand, which we've just sort of been mentioning, you can see constantly, you can see in multiple ways they lose the game at the back. Mm. Um, in, whether through setup and sort of tactics or just through individual um, sort of lack of quality at the back. So I can just see that a situation where they're just going to throw it away. And, and I don't mean that in a bad way, like I'm digging out England or digging out the players. I just, we've seen this story with England so often. You, you look back at to the golden generation when they had Scholes, Lampard, Gerrard, Becker, Michael Owen, Ferdinand, Terry, Cole, Gary Neville. The names just roll off. They're so good on paper, but it just, there's something about it. It's always a little bit imbalanced. At England, it was, the imbalance was, they had to throw Paul Scholes out on the left. And this imbalance is just, maybe just too many attacking players and we're just worried, more worried about sort of trying to get Jordan Henderson fit where he, he might not be fit. Let's play Bryce and let's play Phillips type yeah. of thing. So um, it, it's a hard one. Look, time will tell. I, I think the England games are always the most sort of exciting because, look, we're here from Australia. We're not part of Europe, but th- there mm. is something about the English games which sort of does get that excitement building and it'll be fascinating to see them do well, fascinating to see how they do. And I do hope the Man United players do well, but yeah. there is a part of me that wouldn't mind seeing them um, not fail miserably, but um, come crumbling down and just seeing the meltdown because the British media has hyped them up so much. And we've done this dance before and I can just see it happening again. I look at it and a little bit sidetracked at Phil Foden and trying to sort of Man United link to it. You see he's done the Paul Gascoigne haircut or hair colour and I just think that's celebrated amongst the English media and that's fantastic. Could you imagine if Paul Pogba got a haircut? They'd be saying he's not focused on the game. This is sort of oh, what's yeah. wrong with modern football. But with Phil Foden in Manchester City, it's celebrated. Oh, that's standard, isn't it? Paul Pogba. Yeah. Graham Soonis would be blowing up. Um you know who's not being spoken about? For me, the we'll now go into who are our favourites for the tournament. I'm going to name two sides. Um, I'm, I'm not going to say France, and I think that they're an obvious one, and rightfully so. Um, but for me, this is probably more... I'll give you first my Smokey, but one who I actually think can win the tournament. My Smokey for me is Italy. Um, if I actually look at that side... There are some good players in there, and, and I'm just I'm looking at their midfield and their forward options now. You've got Immobile, Insigne, um, you've got um, Chiesa from Juventus, he, he's a good player. Um, you, you look at their goalkeeping, they've got Donnarumma in there, um, they've got um, the Collini um, from Juventus, obviously still playing. You've got Benucci, so their defence looks strong. 
like for me that they've got a good side like in terms of defensively solid they've got Verratti who's a bloody hell of bloody wonderful footballer um like they've got good options and for me they're probably the most balanced in the sense of yes maybe not as stocked as say in, in England or a France but if you look at the balance of their side I think there's enough there for Italy to actually really trouble some sides yeah, I just think, look, you rattle off some quality names, and they've obviously got quality players, but I think, and without being an expert on the Italian side, it just has a feel of being a lot more balanced and a lot more sort of strategic in the way they have gone about selecting a side. Absolutely. Where with England, there's been a lot of PR and a lot of pressure on Southgate to pick this player because of this reason and that player because of that reason. And um, it's, sometimes that, that is what it takes. It needs a complete unit. We, we, you always look at great nations over the past, like we haven't even touched on the Netherlands but it always seems to be the Netherlands or France. They always look absolutely fantastic going into a tournament. Mm. They sort of implode. There's internal politics, whether it be off the field or sort of inside the dressing room. And there's there's always something that sort of breaks down. But this Italian unit, without knowing too much about the ins and outs of sort of the management and each player, it does look like quite a solid sort of unified team. And sometimes that is the recipe to win in a tournament like this rather than the individual quality. Yeah, absolutely. And you can just see Italy shithousing teams to, to win it, can't you? Like, you can just see if England come up against Italy, th- they'll frustrate the hell out of the, the three Lions and they'll suffocate them. And you could just see them nipping a goal. You know, for me, Tom, the, the ones who are the. F- Look, I think France are the favourites here for obvious reasons. But, man, Portugal got a hell of a side. They, they really do. I think Portugal have. For me, a, such a well-balanced side. And not just well-balanced in the sense of, yes, that there's good players in the fence, good players in the midfield, but they've got like elite players in every single area of the pitch. You've seen Ruben Diaz kick on this season and what he's done for Manchester City. For me, um, how Kevin De Bruyne got um, the players... Was it... The, I'm having a mind blank. What's the name of that trophies one? Is it Players Association? Oh, the PFA Writers Award. PFA, yes. Writers Award, sorry. Yes. Um, how Ruben Diaz didn't win that award amazes me. Um, given the amount of games that um, De Bruyne had played. But anyway, I, I digress from that point. Um, Ruben Diaz has really kicked on this season. You look at what he's done for Manchester City, they probably don't win the, win the league without what he's done. Um, you've got Bruno Fernandes in the midfield. Um, you've got Ruben Diaz in the midfield. Um, who's ne- Ruben Diaz. Ru- Ruben Neves, I should say. Um, so th- they're really strong. You've got Matinho there. And then up front, you- you've got Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, you've got Yao Felix from Atletico Madrid. Like they, they've got a hell of a side. Um, Yao Cancelo, of course, um, in defense again from Manchester City. The, um, they've got some, a hell of a, hell of a squad for me, Portugal. I think France are the obvious ones, but for me, I could see a France-Portugal final. Yeah, well, the two, I'm not sure how the tournament tree sort of plans out in terms of are they able to make, are they able to, two teams in the same group be able to play each other in the final in terms of let, let's look at we haven't touched on Germany one of Portugal France and Germany are potentially going to go out in the group stage now mm. unlikely because of the way the format works a third place team is very likely to go through only two third place teams get knocked out the, the top four do go through so there's a very good chance all, all three of those teams in that group do qualify but in terms of Portugal and France being favourites they could very well be close to it and I just think yeah, it's hard to it's hard to bet against them because I just don't think anyone else is as strong. Um, there might be stronger units, but as I said, I, I make a case for Italy being sort of pretty solid across the board. 
But mm. I've said you don't have to be great. You don't have to be consistent over a 38-game season to win the Euros. You have to be great for four or five games. And I just think those great players in terms of Mbappe, Pogba, Griezmann, Bruno Fernandes, Paul, um, Cristiano Ronaldo, etc. It might just be a little bit too much for some of the other nations. Yeah, I think Germany for me, you look at their squad, wonderful players who have had wonderful careers. But that's the problem, that they've had wonderful careers. I think a lot of their players are at the tail end. You know, you're looking at Matt Hommels, you've got Tony Cruz. Um, Kimmich is wonderful for Bayern Munich. Um, but you've got like Thomas Muller has been recalled. He is pushing 35, is he not? Um, you know, they, of course they've got good players. They've got Gundogan, they've got Sane, they've got Havertz. Um, they've got Werner, um, you know, and, and Avery, uh, like they've got good players, but I just feel like there's a lot of age in that team and, and Germany haven't made a dent into a international competition for a while. In fact, I've got to say, I'm, I'm impressed that um, their manager, I, I'm not even going to try to say his first name, um, Joe, Joachim, Joe, anyway. Joachim, like. Joachim? It's pronounced Joachim? The German coach? Yeah, is it Joachim? I thought it was going Wakim Low. Wakim? Well, geez, I think well. some say Zay Joachim, but I don't know. Oh, well, someone. So, for different countries. Mate, I, I think the German faithful will be whacking him because I, I don't I don't think he's going to be doing too well in this tournament. He's been they've been they've been towed up a couple of times over the last few years, Germany. But anyway, Tom, I haven't asked you. Who, who's your favourite? Is it is it France? Is is that you you're giving a good rap to just about every player they have? Yeah, look, one day it'll be France, one day it'll be Portugal. I think maybe whoever wins when, when they play each other, I'm not sure what um, game they play each other in the group stage. Mm. But I think the winner of that game would probably change my mind and I'd probably steer towards them. I'd probably I'd probably like to see Portugal win it. Um, I know they won it last time, but I'd just like to see maybe that mix of Bruno Fernandes and Ronaldo um, lift the trophy. But um, look, tomorrow I might very well say France are my favourites. But if I was to put my hat on it now... I'd probably lean towards Portugal. Oh, really? Okay, I've got you on board. I like it. I like it. You know what? Maybe it'll. Uh, maybe Bruno Fernandes can get in a camp, win a trophy with Ronaldo. And see, see. Now all we have to do is have this same feeling at Manchester United. You know what I mean? Like we, we've done it. Look, look, Ronaldo. How good does this feel, mate? Why don't we put on another red shirt and do it together again? In the well, great red. Well, that rumour is only going to heat up during the Euros because from all reports, it does look like Ronaldo does have the option to go to United. Now, whether United trigger that option and say, OK, we will pay you, that is another thing. But it does look like he has been offered to United and PSG. Now, obviously, he's very much more likely to end up at PSG for multiple reasons. But um, it, it will come down to how much the Glazers want to sort of, I don't know what the word is, sort of so-called apologise to United fans. Appease the fans. I think yeah, that's the word. appease the fans. And look, whether Ronaldo, whether good or bad, I think that'll differ based on your opinion. But there's no doubt that, that, is a, <laughs> that it is a potential possibility where I think in the last couple of years we always say, OK, if we're going to sign Ronaldo, it'll be this year. If we don't sign this year, it'll never happen. And we've been having that same argument for five years. And here we are again having the same argument. Oh, we'll debate it when he's 50. I have no doubt. But I just have a feeling. Uh, I don't know why. I, I just think, and I haven't decided in my mind whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. But I can see a situation where this arises and he potentially is back at United next season. You know what, Tom? I'm just trying to imagine this. Look, I, I, don't, I don't think it will happen. But can we just imagine a world where Marcus Rashford and Anthony Martial are your left wingers? You've got... Cavani and Ronaldo are your strikers, and your options for the right are Sancho and Greenwood, who can also play through the middle. 
Like, oh my gosh, like that is mouthwatering attacking options. Well, it's a sort of almost textbook football manager. Um, it, it would be an absolute dream for a manager. Speaking of football manager, I've just started a new save. Sorry to go off on tangent, but I think this needs discussing. Please. I started a, a new football manager save where it's a, I started for non-league, uh, sorry, Vanarama North. I took over Farsley Celtic, who after 20 games were coming dead last and about 15 points from safety. They were completely relegated, but I thought, look, let's, not, let's take them. We'll see how we go. And I t- took over, and there were 15 points from safety. And I took the first team meeting and said, That's all. I think we have enough quality to get out of this relegation battle and secure safety. And they all turned around and said, I think you're lowering expectations, sir. I think, hang on, have you seen the table, lad? <laughs> they say, no, we're worthy of a mid-table finish. And I said, oh, my God, I, I couldn't do anything about it. And look, I've only just started the save, but I'm expecting a long, long hard second half to this season. Oh, mate. Man, footy manager's good. Are you playing on your PC or your phone? Oh, PC has to be. I need the full detailed version. I can't do a sort of half-assed effort. Yeah, no, I agree with you there. How'd you go with your United guys? When you haven't... You've been, you've been going leaps and bounds about how good Pal Torres has been for you. Yeah, he, no, he's still kicking around. Yeah, I just started this non-league savings. I hate getting involved when there's the real-life transfers and I hate getting that involved if that's going to affect how I play football manager. So I just let that off the burner for a little bit. But um, I won the Champions League in the Premier League in the 22-23 season. Ah. Yes, Pal, Pal Torres was a key member of that. Okay. But the following season, it has started to slow down a little bit. I think Harry Maguire um, is letting me down a little bit, unfortunately. Ah, oh, son Pal, of AJ, old legs. But Pal Torres is the main man for me. Okay. All right, I like it. There you go. Anyone out there, Scout, Manchester United, Pal Torres, football manager, told you so. And Tom, I think that's a good place to uh, leave the podcast. So as always, thanks for listening. And you know what? Let us know. Who are your favourites? Do you agree with me and Tom? Are Portugal your Smokies or are you going with the status quo? Is it just the, the power of France? Are they too good for you? you? You don't think there's anyone? I know we've got some loyal Italian boys in the pro clubs group. Uh, that They'll be they'll be cheering on um, the, the Blues there. But man, it's actually going to be a good tournament. Um, Tom, I think, are you be, will you be keen for some early beers? Actually, I've put in annual leave for the Europa League. Europa League. Put in uh, annual leave for the Euros final. Will you be joining me? Well, the kickoff times aren't great for these Euros. The, the, the first two match days, there's 11pm kickoffs, which are good. Um, England's on the, the first, uh, I think, Sunday night, 11 o'clock, which is good. But other than that, it's 2 o'clock and 5 o'clock, which... Look, with no horse in this race, um, it's not very appealing for me, but um, let's see who makes the final. If, if Scott McTominay is in there, um, I'll join you. Are you more inclined to watch a Scotland game or a Socceroos match? Be honest. Well, I just saw the Socceroos that apparently played two games. I don't know who, but um, I'll be definitely watching a Scottish game over the Socceroos, and that sounds stupid, but um, that is the pull Scott McTominay does have. Oh, indeed. And that could mean two things in this cold weather. But anyway, I'll leave the podcast there. Thanks for tuning in. As always, guys, if you are on your iPhone, make sure you give us a five-star review through Apple. We appreciate the hell out of it. Subscribe, follow all our social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We're on all of those. Come interact with us. And yeah, we'll, we'll do one of those um, those spaces chat chats again, Tom. I think that was uh, that was good fun. So look to get involved in, in some of those as well. Tom, pleasure as always, mate, and uh, I think I'll catch you next week. Always. Stay warm, mate. All right. I'm trying. Cheers.